Welcome to the Field of 68 Best Bets show. It is the casual Friday edition here, fellas, presented, of course, at Rivers. Got a limited slate today, but that's okay. It's almost, it's nice. It's a, it's a little bit of a relaxation slate before we get into the monster that is Saturday. 130 games on the horizon, fellas. So we get to, we get to chill a little bit. Uh, before we get to the 11, I think, games that there are today, Kai, anything last night that jumped out to you? Jim, I'm going to uh, complain a little bit because it's our show. We can do that. Yes. Uh, Louisiana, yes. Louisiana, Jim, was whinging. Louisiana, Jim, was one of the bets that should have won um, yesterday. It was a great bet. Uh, UT Arlington's best scorer was out. He's the best scorer in the Sun Belt. And the Cajuns have been hot. And they lost by 10. And Matt, that's one of those results. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, that was should have been a winner. That was probably a 70% plus EV play there and just didn't get it done. Yeah, there's bets that you start when I look back on and you're like, I would have made that bet 10 times out of 10. 10 uh, out of 10. Unfortunately, the, the, when the variance catches you in the wrong direction, when the actual game happens, can't replay it. Usually, I just play it once and then move on and play the next team on the schedule. Usually, so once get the old right. replay. Yeah, yeah, tough. Be cool if they could just kind of run that back. The old do over, the old reset button. Jim, here's my takeaway: uh, My Indiana Hoosiers have zero clue how to win on the road. The friendly confines of Assembly Hall have been a kind of a prop that's masked a lot of their execution flaws. And I continue to believe in the best version of this team. The problem is that the demons show up far too often in tight spots on the road. Another late game meltdown yesterday. At Iowa. Now, I know Iowa is a prolific offense and they pose a lot of matchup problems. And it was a juicy spot for the Hawkeyes at home, but it's becoming a system. And I wonder if any any Indiana fans out there are listening. Uh, how concerned are you with the pattern development so far? Um, probably very concerned, Matt. Uh, it's, it's a pretty stark pattern. Unfortunately, they were great in the first half. It's a nice little as they usually are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of lends to one of my takeaways is that Big Ten home court continues to be. Yes. Vitally important, especially in the closer to uh, lower spread games, we'll say. Like, you know, when it's a big toss up favorite like Purdue, Nebraska today, maybe it doesn't matter as much. But man, Wisconsin rolled, shot the lights out. Ohio State couldn't hit a thing in the first half. Uh, and then kind of vice versa with Indiana. They sucked in the first half, but Iowa came back and ended up getting the cover there. Uh, two other mini takeaways, guys. Gonzaga, last two games, 227 points on 168 possessions. That is 1.35 points per possession. That includes all the garbage time, bad possessions, too, that the walk-ons have had. They've been ridiculously lethal. And then I got to ask, is Oregon back? Is UCLA the kind of not top 10 yeah. team or not top five team we thought they were? Matt, any anything really jump out to you on that one? I'm going to go 60% indictment on UCLA. Maybe not the dominant team that we saw early on this season. I think the long layoff maybe has had an adverse effect. I think 40% Oregon can't be as lowly priced as they are in the market currently. Kai. That's how I'm divvying up the blame there, or the, I guess the credit slash blame. Uh, I mean, yeah, we said it all year. Dane Altman is going to figure it out and turn them around. Now, we started to doubt ourselves for sure. I know I did because, like, oh, maybe it's not going to happen this year. Yep. That was certainly a game they needed. Let's see what they do tomorrow against USC. Yep, another big one for them. Uh, hopefully they can hang around. But hey, talking Big Ten home courts, guys, let's get into the outline here. First game on the slate, clearly the headliner, too. Apologies to the A-10. But <laughs> Michigan headed to Illinois, a big old Bet Rivers game. We'll put it that way. Uh, big big Bet Rivers states. That's right. Here. Il- Illinois hosting Michigan. Matt, 
Going back to last year, I know that there are some hard feelings on the Illinois side about Michigan not making up some of their postponed games. Thus, Mm -hmm. they won the Big Ten title based on percentage, even though they played, I think, four less games than Illinois did. That's definitely sticking to the cross. And Illini fans are going to have a hype, sold-out home crowd for this one. Nighttime, going to be rowdy. I think Illinois is pretty locked in here. The market does, too. They've bet them up to close to double digits here. What do you see with Michigan coming out of a COVID pause? Well, that's my question is who's going to come out of the pause. Uh, Howard yesterday said, as of this moment, I think the article was like around lunchtime yesterday, seven players, one assistant coach. So unless like the other half the team was cleared in the last 24 hours, doesn't seem all that uh, rosy kind, pretty ominous outlook there for the Wolverines. I think this line's very high, but as Jim mentioned, just how strong home court's been the big 10 some potential major roster landmines on Michigan. There's no way you can bet Michigan unless this line like climbs into 10, 11 territory where I think it's just getting a little bit outrageous. Uh, I'm waiting maybe for some steam to push it that way, but right now, nothing for me. Yeah. I'm tempted by the number, but I, you can't trust Michigan right now. The The health factor is huge. They, they're missing Brandon Johns and Terrence Williams last game against Rutgers. So they had to play Jace Howard and Nunez as their seven and eight. That's, that's not going to work. That, those guys aren't very good. Uh, every Michigan fan knows that. Every Big Ten fan knows that. And they're one and three already. A- ATS on the road going into an Illinois uh, team's home home arena that's very strong. And Illinois has been playing great lately as well. It's not an easy place to play. Kofi versus Dickinson is going to be a fun matchup as it usually is. But too much shooting in Illinois. Too many uncertainties for Michigan. Um, I'm staying fully away here. How you're tempted by the fruit of a number. Yes, I have another, but hey, I, I, I know it's a song. Good job. Yeah, well, <laughs> you just rolled your eyes at me, and I thought it was, you know, a good little, uh, little reference <laughs> little there. Kai, we do need to do more ballads on this show. I think the fans think come so? to us for analysis on bets, but also a few melodies here and there. Yeah, I'd okay. love to hear our singing. All right. Um, yeah, I love the center matchup here. If you get Kofi versus Dickinson, maybe somebody can actually not get shoved around by college Shaq here, Matthias, but uh, you're probably still going to have to help a little bit. There's risk of foul trouble on both ends. That might be huge if one of those two gets two fouls early. Big edge to the team that keeps their big man on the floor. Uh, all right, let's move on now to the two big A10 headliners. Love that these are on Friday night, getting some some big time eyeballs on them. First, we've got Davidson at Richmond. I don't know if I would have put this one first on the outline. I love the other two teams, especially uh, the, the road team. But we're going Davidson Richmond first. The you know, probably the epitome of execution on both teams offensively, really crisp, well-coached offenses, great systems. Teams are very uh, relatively veteran and familiar with them. Kai, probably not a lot of defense played in this one. We don't, we we know there's not a a bevy of athletes on the court. How how are you looking at this matchup? Yeah. that's what's kind of leading me towards the over Jim. Uh, The square in me says over considering the, the, the level of offenses these two teams play. The square market agrees. It's been hammered up. Yes, it has. And, And Matt, I, Kai, am once again asking Richmond to show up in a game here because I, I, I lean towards the Spiders. They haven't covered a game since 1956, but I it's do think – it's a long time. I do think they can get this, this game done. Uh, they have the talent. They have the coaching. They have the ability to. Um, Davidson's off two non-covers themselves. You know, Maybe they're just kind of floating through the wilderness until they play an actually like a, a, a A-10 competitor like Richmond. Um, and Richmond won this meeting last year, Matt, at Davidson. Something to think about as well. I'm yep. leaning towards the Spiders here against whatever. My, my past bettings on, on this team at minus one at Bet Rivers. I am too, Kai. Actually, I believe um, 
McKillop has been beaten by Mr. Mooney the last three times. The last year took him down, and then the year before 2020 got swept. Now, I know that these historical priors are not always relevant, but in the case of Richmond, where you've had the exact same nucleus, um, you know, Gilliard, Golden, Kayo, Sherrod, Mooney, I think there's something to be said for the fact that these guys know how to prepare for Davidson's offense. But Jim, as you mentioned, both teams have scored at will the last three meetings. The pace has been like mid-60s possession-wise, so efficiency is what's been the driver of uh, these games going you know, over the total. I don't have the exact over-under for those last three games, but just looking at the score, it seems like it's trended toward over. Number's been bet up, though. 147 is a big number. Um, Kempom has this at a 66-possession game. I'm tempted to take it, but I think the early market sniffed out the right side, and there's probably not a lot left on the table for us. Right. I, I was going to have this as my best bet, but up four or five points from the opener. I just, I, I can't endorse the value there. That, that actually matters uh, in a game like this. That is probably going to be relatively slow. Uh, I remember watching the Richmond Utah state game and that was Richmond getting diced up by a team running like crisp offensive sets team that can invert the floor a little bit with bigs that can shoot it and pass it. So I, I definitely think the efficiency will be there. I kind of lean against you guys towards Davidson. I just think they've been better. And I, I, I'm leaning more towards the the teams that are playing well versus the maybe Richmond will figure it out angle because man, yeah. the Spiders have been not as good as we'd like to see this year from a, a veteran team. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, I know there may be some stronger takes on this one. VCU at St. Bonaventure. Man, the Bonnies. I, I don't know what to say about them. Kai came out of a COVID pause and their starters played all but three minutes combined of an overtime game. It's that five. It's basically the closest thing to a five-man team as there's ever been in college yeah, basketball. Yeah. I'm very confused as to why, because Mark Schmidt brought in two ACC transfers to, to yeah. be the bench unit, and they played but those combined three minutes. It's very bizarre. And the starters haven't even been that good, whereas VC is kind of on a rocket ship covering six straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, what do you think here? Yeah, preseason, right? This is a game you wouldn't take VCU here. Um, assuming the Bonnies would be playing well at this point, but currently, these teams aren't close. You take away uh, the preseason weight. VCU's 51 in Bart Torvik. St. Bonaventure's 128. Since December, VCU's up to 35, and the Bonnies are the same. Yeah, right. VCU's playing much, much better. And you're right. Schmidt doesn't trust his bench. I don't get it. Koulibaly is a decent player, yeah. <laughs> especially when Ashuni it, it deals with uh, injuries every single year. You're playing him 45 minutes. Like that's just insane to me. Uh, I think VCU can wear them down. We've discussed how Ace Baldwin's been a revelation for them at point. My only worry, Matt, is Bonnie's have this come to Oregon moment and and yep. and beat and yep. show up and beat VCU like uh, like Oregon did to UCLA. But I'm going to go against it and I'm going to say VCU plus two and a half as my best bet. Yeah, it's kind of the issue with our just general handicapping approach is that we often rely too strictly on our priors and we don't adjust what we've seen so far this season as elastically as we should Kai. Um, and VCU has just been awesome start to finish, but they've been even better lately. The reinsertion of Baldwin, they're getting healthier. Um, I do think St. Bonaventure though, just from a ball handling perspective, unlike a lot of the teams VCU's played so far, I trust their guards just to handle the pressure. Now you could argue the pressure could wear them down. Jim mentioned the short bench, but with guys like Lofton and Welsh and Holmes, they're big, steady, smart guards. I don't think they turn the ball over 20 times here. So I think it's going to come down to a true half-court execution type of fair. I think it's a close game. Um, so no emphatically in either way for me. Yeah, I, I just think VCU is better. And uh, they, this is my favorite side of the day. It is Kai's best bet. Uh, I support him wholeheartedly in that. I just think the Rams are the best team in the A-10 right now, and they've done nothing wrong since Baldwin's been on the court. Offense has been actually competent. Defense has stayed elite. 
Bonaventure's done nothing to make you think that they're going to be ready to go here. Every first half, they're, they're poor, like game after game after game. Now they're playing a hyper-athletic team with, uh, that's playing really well right now. That's trouble for the Bonnies. Um, so the, the only thing that could happen here, like Kai mentioned, is the holy crap, St. Bonaventure figured out the form that they were in last year. But, yep. man, without priors, they're not even in the top 100 at Bart Torvik. It's just not a good team this year. Um, so, yep, leaning towards VCU, famous last words could be there, but go Kai go. All right, next one on the outline, another one where, Matt, I, I really got to throw out my preseason biases here. Fresno State headed to UNLV. Yeah. UNLV's been a little better lately. They've started to figure some things out, but I think they've caught some teams in some good spots. New Mexico, often overtime loss where they also lost a key big man. Whereas Fresno State's just been incredible. Orlando Robinson is now top five in Ken Palm Player of the Year. Yeah, he's been insane. When you're on a team that's like 50th, to be that highly ranked is just unbelievable because team quality matters in that algorithm. He's mega high usage, mega efficient, just the the fulcrum of that entire team. And UNLV kind of lacks big men. So I'm leaning towards Fresno here. The market is too. Are we crazy, Matthias? I don't know. I My line... I made it. I was like, I have you know these favorite. Oh no, I don't. That's a mistake. Like I wanted to throw out my numbers and do the old office Michael Scott rehit crunch and hope that something else popped up. Um, Jim, you also want to add in the San Diego State game, talking about asterisks next to you know these games. New Mexico they caught them right, but also New- San Diego State without trade pulling, without Lamont Butler, their first two conference games. Kai Fresno, the question for me is, what are they without Jabral Baker? I know they've played plenty without him this year. They played well without him, but they've been like legitimately top 50, even top 40 good with him in the lineup. And Hudson talked at length about what he means to that offense. I watch Fresno and I don't really trust their guards. Robinson kind of masks a lot of their deficiencies. And I think Baker was a mitigating factor in that regard. So I'm curious to see how they trend without Baker as this is like the new normal, the guards they have to kind of roll with going forward. Yeah, I, I was looking back. They're six and three without him in the lineup. So, I mean, they're, they're okay with them without him. Um out of the COVID pause, by the way, which every other team has looked good. So we should maybe just boost teams out of COVID yeah, pauses. It's like a rest. <laughs> they, they look great. They beat San Jose State by 20. No Baker. Um, I, I think it's still a really good team. And Orlando Robinson, there's no answer for him on, on UNLV's side. I, he's going to destroy him. It's a tremendous matchup edge for him. I lean towards Fresno State. Yep, I do too. I've seen big men beat up on this UNLV team up front uh, kind of over and over. They're just small. Like, they, they brought in some pieces like Royce Ham and Victor Iwakor, both from the Big 12, but they're not centers. David Mwoka is not you know, physical enough to hold up in that matchup. So they're going to have to double. They're going to have to fly around. It's just a matter of whether the Fresno guards can yeah. make mildly intelligent decisions in terms of driving and dishing or, or knocking down shots in that case, which to that point, Matt, pretty huge that they got Anthony Holland back after the COVID yes. pause. He had 20 in his return to the lineup. He definitely matters big time shooter when they double on Robinson. So yeah, yeah, kind of like that small ball four can big defend the smaller wingy forwards, but can stroke it, man. He can absolutely shoot it. Yep. Important because UNLV plays a lot of four guard stuff. So the fact it's that all can, wings. Yeah. The fact that he can actually D up in that situation is, is very important. All right. So that is that one. Kai, let's get to the chat mob, which of course means there are very few questions today, but yes. let's talk about them. Well, Jim, there are three games not on our outline. We're going to save one for later, and we're going to talk about two right now. And we're going to start with the game that I left off the outline kind of funnily, even though it is a Big Ten game. It's Nebraska at Purdue. And Matt, uh, someone in the chat here, sorry, didn't see the name. I scroll back through, asked, 
Is there a line high enough to where you would consider Nebraska in this game? It's around 20 right now. It's 19, uh, 20 at Bet Rivers. Yeah. Uh, don't look now, but Nebraska's covered three of the last four, fellas. Yeah, um, yeah. Just saying, I think the market's pricing them very appropriately, right? They are sort of a work in progress, if, to put it nicely, and they just don't match up well with teams in the Big Ten who have a stable of bigs, and they really don't have a, a neutralizing presence up front. I've been talking about Derek Walker as maybe being that piece, but he's not nearly in the same weight class as the bigs you're going to see, especially against Purdue. Um, Trey McGowan's could be back tonight if you're Supposed really like almost really certainly. looking for a, an angle to bet Nebraska, which I play no one is. Uh, but Hoiberg talked about how he was like the heart and soul of that team before he went down. So it could be coach speak. I watched him play early on. I kind of thought he was that. pretty important. So yeah, um, sure. it's a big number. Purdue has not been the juggernaut we saw earlier in the year, Jim. So I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this one. Yeah, I'm torn as well. I mean, the thing with McGowan's coming back is now you have the three guys that want the ball. And I think it's going to be a bit of a tug of war with Verge and both McGowan's. Like, they can't all have it at one time. Maybe that leads to some my turn, your turn stuff. Uh, Ken Palm's got this game at 159 points. The total is 155 and a half. That feels wild for a Big Ten league game, but this is probably the best offense versus the fastest team in Nebraska. So, Sort of makes some sense. I, I kind of lean towards the over because I think Nebraska with, with Trey McGowan's back is going to be willing to run. Purdue yeah, wants to fair. get right and wants to get going and, and will happily score 100 if they're able to get to it. Um, so yeah, it was- lean, towards, lean towards the over, but man, the 20-point spread in a conference game, I'm just Nebraska or nothing, I think. Yeah, I was just looking at the uh, the possession counts last two games for Nebraska, 70 for both. So I don't know if there's been like a – uh, an adamant decision by Horrid to be like, hey, we're going way too fast. We're trying to punch above our weight class. Maybe let's throw this thing down. But you're right. When McGowan's back. He's a open floor speedster. So I think that boosts the total back on the overside. I think opponent has something to do with that too. Rutgers, Illinois, both not very fast uh, offensively. Like they don't need to push the pace. They want to kind of dominate you in the half court. Um, all right. Sorry, Kai. Go ahead. The other game is Quinnipiac and Ryder. And this one's around a pick. Matt. Game makes Thoughts. me laugh. I'm sorry. Um, it's that, basically the two least trustworthy teams in the MAAC, in my opinion. Um, they're all untrustworthy. That's they thing. are they, right, which is which is why when you talk about them as the most untrustworthy, it's pretty. <laughs> it's saying quite a bit. Riders look better since conference play. I, I yep. just don't think we trust that team. But um, I think we have to agree that Quinnipiac is probably the more talented team. But man, that team is just not well coached. I'm sorry, I don't mean to throw shade at Baker Dunleavy, but I just think that team. You, you do mean to throw shade at him. And I did. I okay, agree with it. Yeah, no, but he's. I think, a, I, th- I think Murray and Vaughn are the best two players in the floor. Okay, I'd say that Quinnipiac's uh, balance of talent is better uh, with Marfo there, and their guards are good, uh, yeah, but sure. they're just erratic. They're not well coached. They turn the ball so over. Erratic. I mean, yes. and Louis Courtright is supposed to be like the breakout star for Quinnipiac, and he's been kind of a nobody. Um, Desi Jones has been like their guy. I don't know, Jim, both rosters, both teams make no sense to me. I mean, it sounds like people in the chat are really excited to bet Quinnipiac and a bounce back. I guess I'd buy that. And a two and a match between two teams that are not well coached. The spot probably plays better. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, maybe you get a better shooting performance. Quinnipiac was three for 23 from deep at Canisius. Yeah, I was on them that game rather frustrating. Uh, and they still were like, you know, kind of close. They, they, they battled back a little bit, uh, but I, I don't think Ryder's particularly well coached either, Matthew. Uh, that, they, they've been very frustrating. Fun battle of uh, two boomerangs here with Vaughn back for Ryder and, and Marfo back yeah. for Quinnipiac. SEC uh, boomerangs, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, Jim. We'll save the other game for later. Deal with the best bet section. Okay. That's right. All right, back to the outline. Next one up, we've got 
battle in the MAC, the N single A, the M single AC. Akron at Kent State. Now we've we've had some some tough times with both these teams. Kent State mm-hmm. without Giovanni Santiago really yeah. takes away their their ball handling, their dynamism in the backcourt. It's basically sincere carry or nothing. Uh, and then Akron, they got Brian Trimble back, a little more potent offensively, but we're still not fully sold on that team. Castaneda went absolutely bonkers last game, and I don't buy that. Uh, what, what, what are you seeing here? Yeah, if you bet Akron last game, uh, take the horseshoe out of your ass and feel free to Venmo me a few bucks because that was complete and utter highway robbery. This team still, it's fine, Jim. It's an okay team. Akron is excessively inflated right now in the market price-wise. Um, if I got a fully healthy Santiago, I'd be all in on Kent State here. But the fact that Sincere Carey is like the only real guard that I trust on that team, we've seen him, I think it was Ohio, like they just doubled him. Like straight up just doubled the backcourt and made the, the bigs beat him inside. And I worry it's going to take a toll here. So I, I should be on Kent State here. Pretty large, Mr. McCann, but without Santiago, who was their point guard last year, by the way. I think he's an awesome Robin next to Carey. Just don't trust him as much. Kent State without Santiago's 0-3 this year. They've lost to Southern. They've lost to Ohio. They've lost to Northern Illinois without him in the lineup. But they've also lost to Central Michigan with him in the lineup. Maybe they start very good this year, and I need to maybe realize that. Um, Akron's been solid. John Gross, you know, throw shade at him all you want, but he finds a way to win the last couple years in the MAC, and and he usually covers. Akron's been pretty good against the spread. I'm leaning towards a better team at the moment, and that's Akron. It's a tight spread. I lean their way until Kent State – shows me Santiago's back in the lineup or proves otherwise. Yeah, Matt, I don't want to twist the knife on you anymore here, but do you don't know do what it. Castaneda's career high was before last game? I'm sure it was like 10. He's been like an inefficient chucker his whole career, then he burns me for 29. Like, what is that crap? Get out yeah, of here. He had eight, 18 once as a junior at South God. Florida, and he had 17 as a high this year, and then he had 29. Just a complete explosion for a guy that doesn't really have that offensive burn. Get out of here. Get out of here. Very frustrating. Uh, but yeah, I do lean Akron as well because I think Kent State might be just a tad more fraudy. Uh, all right. Let's go back to the MAAC. Kai, the, uh, the darling of the ATS world, Monmouth, has been yep. off for a while. We've missed them in our lives. I'm sure many a better has missed them in their lives. Now they had the St. Peter's team that I would say has performed, underperformed expectations a little yep. bit. Uh, brought back Casey and Defo late in the process this offseason, and he is really underwhelmed as the fulcrum of their offense, kind of the reason they're inefficient. Yeah, he's just not good. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, current form time stuff or just like how they played the season heavily favors Monmouth. Yeah. The only thing is the pause. What do, what do you see? Yeah, Monmouth's 12 and 1 against the spread, but now the team is played in a century gym, like you mentioned. That's no true. Matthew Lee still, probably for St. Peter's. Um, he is their point guard. He, he, may, he has to matter somewhat. I like the over in this game, Matthew, and here's why. Mm. Last year, 81 and 74 possessions. Both games went to 154 points. Two years ago, 80 and 69 possessions, 129, 150 points. Point is, these teams, for some reason, tend to play faster against each other, which means Monmouth is controlling the tempo. I, I don't know why that trend is the case, but I'm going with it. I'm going over in this game here. Lean Monmouth on the side because why stop what's working? But it's a very curious trend, Matthew. It is. Here's my theory behind that. St. Peter's is more of a pace taker, shall we say? And Monmouth certainly wants to run. I just have this memory of the game where Monmouth came out of pause last year. Jim, I think you remember this well. They played Hofstra, and we were all over the over in that game. It was like a 96 to 88 shootout, played to 80 possessions. Hilarious. Yeah. And I think King Rice like wrote before they returned and it was like, hey, we've been 
and COVID shut down for a while, which let the boys go out there and run. I think that you have to see a similar pickup rec ball type of frenetic style guy that probably plays right in that historical precedent you just mentioned there. So yeah, I like the over. Um, also exactly, like Monmouth. Yeah, I, I like Inside. Monmouth too. That's exactly what we said about the UCLA Long Beach game where both teams are coming out right. of pause and it was like, Let, let's just get you to play some basketball. I'm not yeah. going to overcoach <laughs> you in this one. Yeah. Of course, that was a non-conference game. This one was a league game that sure. means quite a bit for both, but I tend to lean that way too, that I think we see some pace. And I just think Monmouth has been way better. I don't trust the the worst team, St. Peter's, when they're both coming off pauses. All right, next one down the line, we're kind of pinballing back and forth between the MAA and the M single A. So we'll go to the M single A. Buffalo headed to Ball State. Matt, the Cardinals, one of your darlings this year, along with Incarnate Word, your, your two Cardinal darlings. Uh, we, we did already have you you know, express your frustration about the Akron game. Uh, now they're hosting Buffalo, the preseason favorite, who is seemingly trending up with Mbala back in the lineup, starting to figure it out a little bit. Definitely the one of the better athletic teams in this conference. Yeah. What are you thinking here? Jim, you've cited Buffalo's matchup advantage over the Mac counterparts on a few different occasions. I think this holds true again. There's just not a lot of teams in the Mac that have Buffalo's caliber of athlete. Like Josh Mbala and Jonathan Williams are two of the probably best physical specimens in the entire conference. And I think against Ball State, a team who just got shattered on the glass by Akron. Again, still should have covered that game. I might remind you. Um, that's a concern here. I think this price is way too high. I continue to think Ball State's undervalued in the markets. They're ranked outside top 250 in Ken Palm. Um, they covered the last, I think, three of their last four and should have been four of the last four if you just don't implode against Akron Kai. So this whole like Ball State narrative that they suck, which their fan forums continue to Share uh, with the world, just yeah. Thank you. I, they just—it's not true. It seems not that bad. That's all I'm gonna say. They're not that bad. They've been playing better in the MAC, um, and Buffalo has been kind of bad. Uh, they're full strength finally, but even full strength, they barely got away from Western Michigan and kind of covered the game in, in lucky fashion. There it took a, a, yeah. a blocked dunk at the buzzer, yeah. basically to, to co- yeah. secure the cover. I I could see Buffalo bouncing back here. They're they're gonna dominate the glass. As Second game back for Imbala. Second came back from Bala. He's more into it. It's a bigger spread, though. Um, I, I'm staying away here, Matt. I, I agree with you on your Ball State angle. I'm just not sure Buffalo is a team I'm looking to fade, even right. with their current run lately. Agree. Yeah, that's that's kind of exactly my perspective, Kai. I don't really want to go oh. on any further tangent because you summed it up quite well. Uh, props to you. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, last one on the outline. I see the Ray Reyes joking in the chat that Sienna and Marist on the outline over Iona, big upset. But yeah. this is a closer spread. It's more of a competitive game. That's why we, we, we included it. So Sienna at Marist, the Saints have frustrated us a little bit this year. They've barely ever been whole. A lot of injuries, COVID absences, just guys in and out of the lineup. Hard to keep track of what's going on there. Meanwhile, Marist has struggled with their own lineup deficiencies lately. The freshman Phenom Zhao Tuka has been out. He's supposed to be back for this game, should clear protocol. But man, uh, I, I think both these teams have been a little bit erratic, hard to get a handle on. Uh, but Matt, I think you believe the spread might be a hair high. It is high, Jim. When the Saints go marching into Poughkeepsie, I think they get it done tonight. This is my best bet. Um, as Sienna, much like my whole Ball State spiel, it's just a team that's not properly priced right now. And they've covered... I think four of the last five, with the exception being that overtime loss at home to Manhattan. Again, they led by 13 until they imploded late. Uh, kind of a deja or a copy paste probe that I just made on uh, Ball State there. 
key thing though is Atuka coming back, and he's a monster at the rim. And Siena's not exactly the most stout defensive team up front. They have athletes on the perimeter. I think they can defend him. Anthony Gaines, you know, former Northwestern recruit. I think he's a good athlete. He's a, at least capable of corralling Atuka. I don't think he goes off for thirty in this game or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, just a big spot for Siena. I think they get it done here. Yeah, Mirror's fully healthy, but. I agree. I'd like to go marching in, Matt, with you. Um, Sienna's won three straight. They are undervalued in the market lately, I believe, um, after an atrocious start to the season, which pretty much tanked their ranking. They're getting healthier, too. Playtech's not coming back, but everyone else, Colby Rogers, for instance, is back. Get him out of here. Don't eat him. Ray mentioned in the chat, this is true, Sienna's had some fortunate shooting luck in MAC play. Um, they have the number one three-point percentage defense. I saw it. I ignored 22, it. I saw it. 22.5% and free throw percentage defense, 65.7%. I'm going to caveat this actually, though. Two of the teams they've played are Manhattan and St. Peter's, two of the worst shooting teams in the MAC. So those numbers aren't totally, totally off base. And the fact that Sienna allows the 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 lowest rate. Yeah, they run the off line. That's kind of part of the thing. Yep, it kind of helps me over or get over that. Again, that's opponent base as well. But I'm not taking that fully into account as you would normally under normal circumstances. So I lean Sienna Jim as well. Yeah, I do too. The number seems a little a little high to me, but I I, I kind of love this little Latuka fella. He he just changes the game for Maris. Maybe he's going to be rusty coming off the pause and, and won't play a full minutes load. Uh, not not pause, but his like uh, experience in quarantine. So perhaps that hurts Maris a little bit. But I, I do think this team's pretty solid. Um, maybe closer to a, a, a three spread would be normal for me. So I, I do lean Matt's way on his Siena Saints, but. Nothing strong in this one. Again, like we said, this whole conference is tough to trust. Yeah, I'm looking at Kempom has this as an eight-point game. So I think odds makers in general, betters who know what they're doing, pick up that Sienna is not the 290th best team in the country. I just think we all can agree that's just probably not accurate. Unfortunate, but true. We'd love it to be eight points, Matt. I think we would all be. I would take eight. eight. I would take touchdown and a a little extra something there. Yep. Certainly would be wonderful. Um, All right. That is it for the outline and chat because we were saving one game for best bets. Kai, why don't you recap what yours was? Mine was VCU plus two and a half going to the Bonnies, hoping they keep the streak alive. I'm going to force them to keep the streak alive. They don't. Hey, that's on me. <laughs> yeah, it's totally your fault. Totally it's my all fault. your fault. Yep. My best bet is from the Iona Manhattan game that we have not discussed. So Kai and Matt, feel free to give your opinions on this one as well. I'm taking the under 147 points. I think Iona, there is some risk that they see a lot better shooting luck after they could not make a shot in their last time out at Fairfield. But I think both defenses are solid. Even though Manhattan's running more this year, I see this game playing a little bit lower tempo, kind of a a big rivalry matchup here that might not be the the track meet that both Ken Palm and Oddsmakers are clearly envisioning it as. So, Matt, I'm going with the under 147 Iona Manhattan. I love the under gym. My only concern is the whistle. Uh, both teams are awesome at fouling or drawing fouls, I should say. And they're not exactly the smartest defensively. I, I would put that more on Manhattan, a team who I've watched numerous times over the last few years and just been pulling my eyes out as to just the decisions they make defensively. But the talent is upgraded this year. Uh, they got some more horses there. I do like the under gym just where this could be like a 25 versus 30 free throw attempt thing. And they just kind of, it's a death by a thousand paper cuts thing. Yeah. You'll be fine. It'll be painful. I I will probably avoid watching it, Matt. I think I'm going to. Yeah. You don't need to watch this game. Watching unders is tough as it is. And that one could be even more painful. Yes. Any, any lean side total in that game that you want to share with the people or are you you good? 
I like your under lean. 15 seems high for, for a Mac. Game. It does. We, we've talked about how a, a variant this, this league can be. And Manhattan's not a total slash this year. So that seems a little bit high to me, even though you're going against by far the best team in the conference. Yeah, Iona hasn't really blown teams out this year either. Yeah. Like, it, they, I think they've won two games by more than 15. One was by 16 against North Alabama, who was not good. And then the other was Ryder. And I, I don't, I don't really trust Ryder. So perhaps they do have like the offensive explosion, and I, I we get screwed more than one way there. But uh, I'm banking on it not quite happening against Manhattan that has the athletes to be competent on defense. Manhattan. Do you like led. the angle in the chat, Kai? I'm uh, concerned about Iona's pressure ruining Manhattan's guards who have had turnover issues. I'm nodding emphatically <laughs> at that take. Jose Perez has actually been decent with the ball this year, but had six turnovers last game against the Citadel. Um, Ant Nelson has no he to, idea. He likes to punt the ball into the stands. He yeah, loves to give the ball away. Man, I don't know how he ever played at Seton Hall. That's a whole other side. But anyway, yes, major concern if you're a Manhattan backer. Is I, last year, 14 turnovers for Manhattan. Manhattan got up by 15 points on Iona last year at Iona. Uh, and, and won the game by seven. Interesting. Basically the same teams, by the way. Well, Iona's got a couple new guards. <laughs> I think Perez for Manhattan Kinda. is a big boost. Tyson Jolly? Perez is kind Okay. Perez matters. Uh, <laughs> Everyone else is there. Elijah Jordan is pretty, pretty new coming in from Tulsa. That's a All right. Is he worth significant? Ads. Are they worth 22 points, Jim? Mm. Yeah, I, better. I said I think towards Manhattan. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Um, just throwing, just, just throwing some numbers out there for the fellas. Yeah, I, I, I took umbrage at their, that they're the same teams. I think. Hey, Manhattan's not. They're a lot better this year than last year. Yeah. That's and Perez, sure. Perez is a new piece for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay, that wraps up. Matt, your best bet was oh, when the Saints go marching in. Seattle plus five, lock it down. I think a little money line's worth your uh, worth your time as well. There Maddie money lines Maddie returns money lines back. Little sprinkles. Wow. The Friday sprinkle. Finally, love it. All right, that is it. A little bit shorter show today. We know we'll have plenty of questions in the chat tomorrow. Long, long Saturday show coming. We'll be back at 11.15 a.m. Eastern. We'll see you all then. Thank you for tuning in. Good luck on your Friday.